Hello and welcome to the Controller Talk Podcast presented by Danfoss North America. Our goal is to bring you information about using Danfoss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We're doing these twice a month for now. You can get these podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and it's also available through the Danfoss Ref Tools app. For the video version, check us out on the Danfoss North America YouTube page. Search for Controller Talk to see our video collection. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown. So Chris, let's talk basketball, now that you've turned your back on football, college football specifically. Yeah, Penn State and Maryland are basically identical at this point of the season. I didn't get the memo. You guys are going to do a community college schedule to start off the year. So. <laughs> oh, I see. I'm uh, sure we'll, we'll play at some point. We'll see how this goes. I'll probably eat my words. But. So you played heavy hitters like Coppin State <laughs> those guys? I think we did play Morgan State, didn't we? Yeah. And Coppin State. We got a couple of those. Yeah. Well, you got to start out somewhere, right? It's better than what we were anticipating before the year yeah. started. So. Okay. Well, if you catch Penn State, you're doing pretty well. Next podcast, I'll be saying it's baseball season. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look forward to that. All right, Chris. Uh, hey, what do you want to talk about this time? I noticed it's our 22nd episode, and not to give away too much, but it's December 22nd. On, uh, on 2022, and it's probably going to be 2.22 here pretty soon in the afternoon. So uh, what do you think? <laughs> My head hurts after all that. That's a, <laughs> let's, let's go with some different numbers, like a 7.50 maybe. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, so we've had this controller on our topic list for some time. Uh, it's the AKCC 750 case controller. So its its main job is to perform all the functions at the case level, uh, including temperature control, defrost, fans, anti-sweats, and alarming, all that good stuff. And uh, the thing that makes this controller different is that it can control one, two, or three, sorry, one, two, three, or four uh, case sections, and each one can have its own electronic expansion valve or a liquid line solenoid valve. So it's got lots of uh, flexibility built in. It's expandable, um, but with that flexibility, for some people, they feel like it comes with a little bit of uh, confusion or complexity or something like that. So we're going to try to clear that up today. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a few people, Chris, that can remember back to 2005. I know this has a place in your heart when the AKCC 303A was released as a case controller. And it also had options to control up to four EEVs or four liquid line solenoid valves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you had your hands on these as a newbie. There is an hour-long podcast, or not pod, hour-long video. I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, when we we did some videos way back in the day. Oh yeah, and this was my first video, and it was mm-hmm. every bit of an hour. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember vintage YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yep, go back and see Chris before he was famous. <laughs> yeah, so um, so this guy came out. Geez, like 2005, 2006, probably. And then uh, a, few, a few years later, it became the CCE 750. And um, then a few years after that, just recently, the CCE uh, 750A was released. But um, we'll primarily focus on the 750 here. And um, uh, really, the 303 and the 750, not a lot of, op- not, not a lot of changes there. Uh, between the two, and um, not a lot for the 750A, but we'll get into all that. So the 750 itself is available uh, with Echelon TP78 communication, and also uh, another version is the Echelon RS485. 
And then in the 750A, that one is Echelon RS-485 only. Yep. And the 750A is um, relatively new to the U.S. market, at least. Uh, I mean, it's it's been in Europe some, but um, we've primarily stuck with that 750. So if guys are running into the 750A right now, just a couple things that, that kind of make it different from that other kind of U.S. primary 750 option. Um one thing is it has the ability to work with that MMI GRS2 display that we've talked about in the past, whether it was the EKEs on the last podcast or yeah. going back to some other things um, even before that, so MCX related. <clears throat> so it has that ability to, to work with that display. Uh, from a connection standpoint, because with the 750s, any of them, service tool softwares, a uh, tool that has to be used on the PC a lot of times to interact with it. Um, it uses a, a USB-B port for connection, so the, the speeds are actually a little faster using that, that type of cable and that hardware uh, on the 750As. Uh, but that's a, a second difference. Uh, one of the maybe the biggest things is the fact that it allows you to do stepper valve control with something like an ETS. Um, it can kick out a 0 to 10 volt signal. And so, again, back to our last podcast with the... Uh, EKEs, if you're going to use the EKE as a valve driver and you need a, a 0 to 10 signal generated somewhere else to go to it, the 750 something that can uh, generate that type of signal. Yeah. But it can also be that you connect a stepper module to the 750A and, and control a um, ETS valve that way. Yep. But like I said, for, for purposes of this uh, podcast here, we'll pretty much just focus on the, the main 750, not the 750A. Yep. So on the 750, if I remember correctly, you had one port there, and that port would, uh, you'd plug your Danfoss Direct Connect cable into it, and that was your link to service tool. And then when you hop to the 750A, that port was still there, but now its purpose is for the display, mm -hmm. and the USB port is for service tool. Yep. Okay. Alrighty. So the... Um, 750 has this I.O. flexibility, um, so you can use a quick setup option to pick a hardware layout, and that hardware layout basically says, here's where we're going to put all the I.O. points so that there's a standard of some kind. And that standard's pretty important because then when you're going into uh, looking at a controller and you can say, okay, at least I know that this is, a, this is where these points should be. Um, technically, you could plug in service tool and you could change those all around if you really wanted to but it doesn't help the next guy yeah exactly yeah so usually you'll use the quick setup and that's one of the first things you do and we'll go through some more specific steps but you use the quick setup to lay out the io points and then after the quick setup's done then you select the number of evaporators to be controlled and that of course can be one two three or four and then um you will define your settings uh, in the main controller. So, so there's a few different ways you can attack this. You can put your settings in the main controller, like a 255, 800, 800A, and then push those down to the case, or you can program the thing at the case itself. Let's say if you don't have a comp loop. But, um, but yeah, we'll look at it from both standpoints. Yeah. It's, yeah, so I mean, these, it's just these quick setups again, real quick. They, uh, no pun intended, but they, um, <laughs> it, it's about two dozen different options that you have that 
allow you to say, I want to lay out things this way and, and do it all in one selection as opposed to going through and hitting every one, like you said. So, I mean, most of this is, is um, every, things that have been hashed out with the OEM so they know how to wire up the cases. And so it's, it's not that you necessarily have to uh, revisit that every single time. It's, it's more just knowing which quick setup they're using. All right. Yep. Yep. And, um, service tool is going to give you a few more options when it comes to the setup. And a lot of times you really don't have to have service tool. You don't necessarily always need it, but if anytime you're going to be working with 750, 750As, pack controllers, it's always a good idea to have it ready uh, just in case you have to go in and do something like um, set up a, a new refrigerant or something like that. Uh, at least if you have it ready, then you're good to go. So obviously with service tool, you're going to need a laptop. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so in my research here, um, and we've talked about this a little bit before, um, but the 750 and 750A has something called a protected AKV valve output, which um, has allowed us over the years to use a 24 volt AKV coil without burning up that solid state relay. Uh, because we know the relay is limited to half an amp. And um, in most cases, we, we always recommend a 120 or a 230 volt AC coil uh, to go with the AKV because you're going to deal with lower currents then. But um, the 750 and 750A you know, has a little bit better solid state relay in there, thus the protected output, and um, it could handle the 24 volt uh, coil. Um, so... That's it's basically a kind of a primo um, solid state relay in there. Yeah, I don't know if we completely understand the long term effects there, just life expectancy of a seven fifty if you're using twenty four volts. Right. Right. So, but it's held up for quite a while. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Um so I <clears throat> getting into some of the, the inputs now, just some of the other points that are on there. So sensors uh, dealing with four sections here, uh, that, that's where you can start to say it gets a little confusing for guys, maybe. Um, so, I mean, you've got your coil outlet sensors, you've got your discharge air sensors, you could have defrost termination and return air, depending on what all the application dictates that you need there. Um, so it, it's tough to keep track of sometimes, but basically when you're looking at that, uh, the, the designations that are used, you get your S2, S3, S4, and they... They line up just like they would with any other model we have, where S2 is your coil-out sensor, and S3 is return air, S4 is discharge air, and S5 is your defrost termination. So when you see S4, that doesn't mean it's the fourth evaporator. It just means that it's discharge air. And then you have to look at what letter it is after that number that determines which of the four sections or which of the four evaporators that you're looking at. So something like S2A would be... Uh, the coil outlet sensor of the first evaporator. So that's just um, how we kind of designate and lay out those temp sensors uh, with the, on the, the valve side. So yeah, you might have four separate evaporators and four separate expansion valves, but this is not a controller for four separate cases. It, it's four sections of a common case. So things like the pressure transducer, maybe a door switch, and you've got relays for fans, anti-sweat heaters, and, and a defrost relay. A lot of those things are a common point, so you're not going to get four separate inputs to hook up a pressure transducer because we're assuming it's all part of a case with a common suction line. 
Um, the same with the fans, the door switches. Defrost can be either or. So uh, sometimes you, you terminate a case together. Sometimes you can terminate it individually. There is some flexibility there. Um, but otherwise, keep in mind that this is a controller for multiple evaporators of a common case, not four separate cases. Right. And getting back to the sensors, um, sometimes it, like you said, it can be confusing if a guy gets an alarm and it says something like S or yeah, S5C sensor error. Mm -hmm. They're like, what is that? And then they realize, okay, S5 is going to be a termination sensor. And if it says letter C, that must be the third evaporator. So now I, they kind of know where to start looking. Yeah. Yep. And so, and then on the troubleshooting side, um, I mean, we're still dealing with the expansion valve, uh, the electronic form. So we still have to worry about superheat, right? So, um, I mean, it's the normal, the usual suspects there. You've got a, a temp sensor on the coil outlet, our, our S2 sensor, and then you've got a suction transducer, and, and that's how you're calculating the superheat within the case controller. And so, I mean, if the coil outlet sensor is not insulated and not mounted on the, the right part of the, the pipe there, um, then that can obviously cause some issues with your superheat readings. The transducer, the same, if we're not set for the right type to match what we actually have versus what the, the setting in the program of the 750, then that can cause issues. I mean, if they do go bad, whether it's wiring or the transducer itself, um, the good news is there is an emergency function within the case controller that it'll recognize that it'll go to this emergency state where it looks at the average opening degree um, of, of what the valve's been recently over the last few hours. And it'll just kind of go to that opening degree until the problem's resolved. Yep. Yeah. This, uh, this was a call from Canada recently where, um, the guy wanted to know why all four sections of a case were suffering. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, when we looked at it, the transducer reading would flip between the correct reading and then it would flip to be about double that reading. Oh, yeah. And, um, I had him track down the location of the transducer and he sent me a picture and it looked like it'd been through the war. Really? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we suspect that through the use and abuse it, you know, a wire came loose inside the field wired plug or something like that. But yeah, as they say, I didn't hear from him again after that. So, <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's a good way to look at it is if you're having problems on more than one section, what's common to yeah. all those sections and the transducer is one of the things that's being shared. So, yep. yeah. Um, and then from a, a control standpoint with the 750, so touching on some troubleshooting here, all the brains of what's going on, the, the logic, the control, there's a circuit board in the cover of the 750 and, and the cover detaches from the baseboard if you if you're looking to do that and so if we're trying to troubleshoot and we kind of deduce the problems in the baseboard and, and maybe we need to just replace the baseboard as opposed to the whole unit and just keep in mind that everything brains wise is in the cover and you can slide the cover over from one baseboard to another and, and everything's going to be the same otherwise yep yep and uh power it down first yeah Power that baby down we don't first. Want smoke. <laughs> yeah, because you separate them. It's kind of like pulling the engine out of a car while it's rolling down the road. Yeah, <laughs> it may not go well for you. Who wants to have a little fun? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So um, let's say you have settings in the uh, 255, 355, or the system manager, and you want to send those down to a case controller, either because that's just how you're going to bring them online, or you had to replace one, or something like that. I'm going to run through the steps to. Um, 
to basically get that case controller back up and running and programmed. And it's, it might seem like a lot, but once you, um, once you actually see it happen, then it kind of makes sense. But um, you keep in mind that there is something in the 750 um, that allows you to lock and unlock the configuration uh, through just a couple of software commands. And then you also have the main switch, like virtually every other controller we have, um, a main switch that can be turned on and off. So um, if you want to bring one online, you would scan in the case controller with a rescan like normal. And then back in the IO network screen or the network node screen, you'll find the details on the controller and that'll confirm that it's scanned it in, that you're seeing the address, the part number, the version, all that good stuff. And then um, if those details match the setup in the controller already, uh, being the part number and the software version, then you can proceed. And then you would get yourself into the configuration screen for the case over at your main controller and just verify that the main switch is turned off and that you've unlocked the configuration. Then the next step is to load the quick setup. Uh, so you're basically just selecting that application from a list. And then um, it needs about 45 seconds to send that down to the case controller. And then at the end, the case controller is gonna do a reset. So it needs a little bit of time to come through that. And then you can do a download uh, which the download at the, the main controller, is it'll tell you on the screen what's happening. So you'll know if it's working or not. And then um, that's just sending down the, the set points like um, refrigerant type and uh, settings and defrost settings and alarms and all that good stuff, all your um, injection information. Um, and then it'll tell you when it's done with that. And then at the end of that, then you wanna verify that the number of evaporators is correct whether it be one, two, three, or four. And then you can lock the configuration and turn on the main switch and as they stay, start making cold. Yeah. And um, the last two suggestions I have are uh, number one, keep them dry. All of our case controllers just work better that way. <clears throat> and uh, number two, for some reason, we found at least one store on the East Coast where uh, rodents in the store like to go there and curl up and die on the 750 and um, if you can keep the rodents and critters out of the 750 it's probably better in the long run <laughs> they haven't been approved for that application yet now no, that's we correct. don't have a quick setup that incorporates mice <laughs> that's right let's get a cat <laughs> the only other thing i might add there that, that i've run into in the past is um guys that are, are in the system manager looking at the 750 and they're saying I've got settings I know should be there, and I'm just not seeing them. Yeah. It's, uh, we've talked some about it, whether it's MinMax Superheat and the injection control page or mm -hmm. um, something else under thermostat control, wherever it is. If you're not seeing settings that you think should be there, uh, one of the things you can do, assuming that the case controller is already set up the way you want it, is to do an upload. Yeah. And I've seen times in the past where doing an upload helps specifically with the 750 to populate all the parameters that should be displaying when you might not be seeing that. Yep. Okay. So that's a, that's a pretty good summary to, to kind of cover the basics and get you started. And um, they might seem complicated, uh, but once you kind of figure out the structure, then you'll catch on to um, how they work. All right. So, Chris, let's move on and uh, see if we can stump you with a couple of questions. I have uh, two for today since it's the 22nd. 
I'm for, feeling good about these yeah. for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm feeling good. Feeling confident at the end of the year? <laughs> yeah. Only took you, what, eight months to get here. I'm off the speed. I've been listening to podcasts. <laughs> oh, good for you. Good advice. All right. So um, what if the uh, 750 does not have the refrigerant type you need? You know, what are you supposed to do about that? So, yeah, we, we see the 407A is one that comes to mind that I don't think is a drop-down option. Or uh, 449A, 449, 448, maybe. maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, so in the... Uh, in the 750, when you're on the page, and, and service tools, what I'm picturing in my head, but when you're on the page where you would select your refrigerant type, you've got a nice long list of options. At the bottom of that list is user-defined. Um, yeah. And so if you're running into something, we, we haven't really updated the options for a few years that are available for refrigerants. And so if you're running into one that, that isn't there, then you want to select user-defined, and then you're going to have some parameters for refrigerant factors. And we've we've got a document. Um, I, again, I don't know if it's on the um, supermarket support site or uh, wherever we might host it. We can get it to you if you need to reach out to us. Controller Talk North America at danfoss.com. <laughs> it's a voice in my head. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so these three refrigerant factors are just values that, that are associated with that refrigerant type, Antoine constants and whatnot. Yeah. And so you take these three values, you plug them in for your three refrigerant types or refrigerant factors, and your controller is now going to know what to do with that yeah. refrigerant in terms of calculating the right superheat based on the pressure reading. Yep. Yep. That'll get you going. Yep. Uh, I promised you a second one, a second question. Yep. <clears throat> so, um, what is the purpose of, especially on the U.S. Uh, 750s, um, what's the purpose of that 8-pin rectangular Molex plug that's on the case controller? Yep. Um, so way back in the day, some guys might still remember these. We had a case controller called a DCU. Yep. And there was a power module that went along with the DCU to control some of the secondary functions in the cases, the fans, lights, what have mm -hmm. you. Um, so that, that Molex plug on the 750 is a connection point that allows you to tie into those old CPMs and, and use that same power module as a means to control those secondary functions without the need to wire them right into the 750 <laughs> itself. Right, right. You don't see necessarily them used so much anymore, but uh, the option exists for a ECI CPM or a Hussman CPM yeah. because they uh, use the same sort of standard layout there. Yeah. And um, yeah, and if you use that, then you would uh, pick a different quick setup. Yeah, they'll say CPM right in the description in your drop-down yep. menu in the setup. Yep. Yep. So then um, valves get wired to the 750 itself, and then your other loads like defrost fans, anti-sweats, uh, all that good stuff gets wired to the CPM. Right. Yep. That's why it's there. Okay. Let's move on to listener mail. And um, got a local guy had a question about the 750. Go figure. Uh, Bucky in Baltimore over on the east side of town, he said, um, hey, I'm trying to copy settings for a 750 in the controller, and it's like it's either not working or I don't have that option available, and he kind of wants to know why. 
So when we going back a few versions to the 255 system manager, that, that was an option there. If guys are, are still dealing with that, just mm-hmm. to throw that out there. But um, yeah, on the, the newer models, the 800, the 800 a uh, you, you can't copy all your settings. You can copy alarms, uh, the alarm setup on your alarms page, and you can copy any history if you want to take that setup from one unit over to another. We, we've got the wizards in, in the initial config page of the system manager and what have you. Um, but that's essentially it is you can only copy those two functions, alarming and history, over anything else set point wise. You're going to have to manually hit each case controller one by one to do that. Yep, yep. And um, I think maybe it's partially because of the quick setups. Yep. Because the quick setup is more of a process and less of a setting. Right. So you can't really copy a process from one unit to another or you're going to skip that process. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that answers that question. And um, that actually wasn't so bad, was it? (laughs) Not at all. All right. So thanks for listening. Our studio and video engineer is Michael Don't Call Me Mike Beckerman. Our audio engineer is Raul Garcia. Maria is still cavorting around in uh, Romania or Europe, for all we know. And the new guy, Josh Tignall, is still the new guy and will be for a long time. But Michael's doing it all today. Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool.